One of the concepts of ISO 9001 is called risk-based thinking. Okay. And that just means that we have to consider risk, what things might happen that we didn't anticipate. COVID was definitely something that we did not anticipate. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> the good thing for ORU was other things that we had done made us prepared for COVID. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, as they discuss all things ORAU through interviews with our experts who provide innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, how we're impacting an ever-changing world, and our commitment to our community. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Well, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast. I am your host, Michael Holtz, with my fabulous co-host, Jenna Harpenau. Jenna, how's it going? It's going. It's going for a Wednesday morning. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, it's we're still kind of amazed by the technology that we're using to do life these days. Cause I'm at home, you're in a parking lot outside your pediatrician's <laughs> office and Christy's in her home. So we can literally yeah. do this anywhere. Yeah. It's amazing. It makes, you know, working on the go that much easier. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk about flexibility. Uh-huh. <laughs> So we are excited today to talk to um, one of my favorite people at ORAU, Christy Kissner, who is the Director of Performance Excellence. Christy, welcome to Further Together. Thank you, Michael. I'm excited to be here and thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. So tell me, what does the Director of Performance Excellence do? <laughs> My husband regularly says that he's not sure and that I go somewhere and make up acronyms. <laughs> nice. But I'm going to give you some background about how I ended up at ORU because that'll help with this entire conversation. Excellent. Years ago, I worked at the George Washington University. I was completing my master's degree in international affairs. In fact, I started working for GW specifically so that I could get the tuition benefits. At the time I had started out in admin, I moved into uh, higher positions and then I was the assistant director of the executive master of business administration program on September 11th. Wow. And that was obviously something very impactful for the entire country, probably the entire world. And yeah. things changed very much in the United States. And GW, a few months later, I guess, announced the establishment of this group called the Response to Emergencies and Disasters Institute. And they were going to be offering Department of Homeland Security training courses to first responders. And I was really interested in doing this. Right. This looked like something, Homeland Security, and this is something the country really needed. And I pushed really hard to get a job there. And I did. 
And I got to assist in setting up this institute and scheduling these courses. And I got experience working with DHS. And I started to get to the point where I was ready to complete my master's degree, which had taken me about five years because I was doing it part-time. And I started sending out my resume. And it turned out that ORU was looking for someone with DHS experience when the agency hadn't existed for two years yet. I was one of very few people who actually had the qualifications. And I got a job with ORU, which involved working on national level policy documents. The biggest one being I worked for two years on writing the standard operating procedure for the joint field office. And remember the thing about acronyms, I'll go to the acronym, the JFO is a central location for coordination of government and private sector organizations that are responding to a disaster. So for instance, a hurricane or a flood or a terrorist institute all of these groups co-locate in the JFO to work on the response. I got a lot of experience working on you know, major documents and looking at comments and responding to them. So when ORU announced an initiative that it was going to formalize our quality management system and seek ISO 9001 certification, my experience with writing these types of documents was really good when I went for a job working on, in the group, the Office of Quality, who worked on this. Okay. I was highly interested in all of the, the ins and outs of this. And one of the things that ORU did to prepare for uh, getting ISO 9001 certification was we started doing assessments to look at business processes and whether they were working well. And we would write up reports about those. And what we do in an assessment is we look at positive practices that should be sustained, that's working really well, that might even be able to share with other people in the company and they might be able to adopt the best practices. We also identify areas for improvements and make recommendations for how ORU can improve those areas. These assessments helped ORU get ready for ISO 9001 registration. Okay. At this point, I can give you a little bit of background on what is ISO 9001? Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be my question. So, so we get prepared for ISO 9001. What does that mean? What is it and what does it mean for an organization to be registered as an ISO 9001 organization? ISO 9001 is an international quality standard. It's created by the International Organization for Standardization. And ISO, as the, the large organization, they have over 20,000 standards. Wow. wow. ISO 9001 is the one most commonly used in the world. Okay. 
And what ISO does is they create standards to help organizations act in a more consistent manner. I think their tagline is something along the lines of uh, life is better when, when people agree, something along those lines. Okay. <laughs> ISO has, I think, 165 member nations. Oh, wow. And they do standards development to facilitate international trade and develop cooperation in scientific, technological, and economic activity. Standards, at least according to the ISO literature, standards affect about 80% of world commodity trade. Okay, wow. And going back to ISO 9001, in summary, it contains criteria for how an organization meets customer requirements, achieves customer satisfaction, and implements improvements. So essentially, if, if our organization, which it is, is registered as an ISO 9001 organization, our processes for how we work with our customers, how we deliver, are, would be similar or exact, you know, the same as other organizations who are registered and we all sort of speak the same language when it comes to those processes. Is that that's generally sort how of, it, to achieve registration? Or you needed to implement the requirements of the standard, which relate to, as I already said, customer focus, leadership involvement, okay. engaging employees, doing strategic planning and decision making and making improvements. So it's not the same as every other organization because the standard is written in such a way that it's applicable to a variety of organizations. Right, who do different things and- Who do different things, but the concepts of quality apply to everybody. Right, okay. Now, so why is this seen as, as beneficial? You know, we, we, we hold it very near and dear, you know, to our company and we think it's a big deal. So kind of why, if someone's looking, if we have customers looking and they see that we are ISO 9001 certified, why is that a big deal? Just kind of in a nutshell. Thank you, Jenna. That's a good question. I'm glad you brought that up. Basically, it comes down to ISO 9001 contains best practices that lead to good quality outputs. If you follow these practices, it just means that you're going to have good results. For instance, if your leadership is involved, if the senior leadership of the company is involved in making sure that quality services and products are produced, people are more likely to place emphasis on doing quality work. Okay. If your leadership isn't involved, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> employees are probably not going to be very committed to it because it doesn't seem important to them either. Right, right. And if I'm an ISO 9001 organization, my preference would be to do business with other 
ISO 9001 organizations, because we essentially we meet the same standard, even if we're in a different business or we do things a little bit differently. We've met the standard. Exactly. Required by ISO 9001. Okay. And the other aspect that should give customers confidence is we to achieve the registration and to maintain the registration we have to have an external group it's called a registrar come in and do an audit okay every year to get the registration you have to have a registration audit which ORU did in 2012 we got the registration in 2013 and in a registration audit the auditor looks at the entire system okay and recommends that the company be registered the next year the auditor comes back and does a surveillance audit which is part of the system i call it the fun size audits <laughs> as opposed to registration which is a full size audit right right and every year you have to have either a surveillance audit or a registration audit and registration okay. audits are every 3 years therefore somebody external is coming in and looking to make sure that we're still doing what we said that we were going to do and we continue to follow all of those best practice requirements gotcha so every 3 years <laughs> it gets a little stressful <laughs> i would imagine um when you're going through the registration audit process because they're looking at everything in detail it's kind of stressful but it's more performance anxiety gotcha because throughout the year we're going out my office is going out and looking at different sections of the company to make sure that people understand the standard and we have evidence that everybody is is still doing what we're supposed to be doing. Okay. And over time, like I said, we got our registration in 2013. I've seen the improvement in the company and our processes since then. It was much more stressful the first time. but over time well i have to figure out well which things are we going to highlight because there are so many of them right okay and so is that part of so then part of your team's surveillance before the audit is maybe helping find what are what are the things we're going to highlight in the registration audit um, exactly and i could imagine it would be difficult especially if everyone's doing all the things <laughs> that we're supposed to do right <laughs> yes yeah it's so. uh, it's sometimes challenging uh, last year we had a lot of information to present to our auditor because covid gave us a lot of evidence because we really had to make some changes do some strategic planning one of the concepts of iso 9001 is called risk based thinking okay and that just means that we have to consider risk what things might happen that we didn't anticipate 
COVID was definitely something that we did not anticipate. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> the good thing for ORU was other things that we had done made us prepared for COVID. For instance, moving from PCs to laptops made it so much easier to transition to work from home. Absolutely. And it also made it easier when last year we did the surveillance audit remotely for the first time. Wow, that had to be interesting. It, it was interesting. There was a lot more planning for it because we had to figure out logistics like who's going to share their camera, who's going to speak. Previously, we would have done, we'd be in the boardroom and everybody, you know, we'd go around the room and people would introduce themselves. Right. That wasn't real easy to do virtually. That not. What we did instead was I created a list of who was going to be in the meeting and who was going to speak. And I introduced everyone. And that's how we avoided talking over each other during the meeting. Right, right. Yeah. So you basically it's have to next level. Ne yeah, next level of planning, huh? Exactly. So now um, we've talked about 9001. You have been appointed to a, an ad hoc group looking at 9000, ISO 9004, which is essentially, um, if I understand this and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's essentially best practices for continued excellence. Um, but correct. your group is looking to possibly make 9004 a standard as well. Yes, that's exactly it. How did, how did that happen? <laughs> how basically, <laughs> how did you get appointed to this amazing group? It, it's actually quite exciting. In each country, there are technical advisory groups that are involved in creation of international standards. Okay. And in each country, there's representation to make sure that the standards are compatible with both the country's needs and international needs. In the US, the groups are responsible for developing US positions on draft standards. Okay. And group 176 is responsible for the family of quality management standards. At present, ISO 9001 is the only quality standard that organizations can receive registration for. All right. There are a variety of other guidance standards, and one of them is ISO 9004, which is like you said, Michael, it's basically best practices for organizations to achieve sustained success. Okay. It's like a maturity model. Okay, that makes and sense. And the advisory group established uh, an international ad hoc group, <clears throat> excuse me, to examine the feasibility 
of converting ISO 9004 into a standard that specifies requirements. Okay. Which means that an organization would be able to have an external auditor come in, do an audit, and then they would have a certificate saying that they are registered to ISO 9004. Right. Okay. That sounds like a pretty big deal. Um, what would it mean for organizations then to have another quality standard um, to register for? Like, and if ISO 9004 were to become a cer certification as opposed to right now, just a series of recommendations. What it means is, and this is one of the things that we're talking about in the ad hoc group, is whether it's a good idea to make 9004 a registration standard because it's unclear what it would mean to organizations who already have ISO 9001 registration, how would that affect things if there were also a 9004 registration? Gotcha. And we're talking about the ins and outs of that. Gotcha. I'll give you some background so that you can understand a little bit better how the structure works, boiled down to the very basics. Within ISO internationally, they have a bunch of technical committees who are looking at different areas, in this case, quality management. And there are technical advisory groups in each country who report to ISO internationally. And technical advisory group 176 is the one in the United States who's responsible for developing US positions on draft standards. Each one of those groups internationally nominated experts to serve on the international ad hoc group. The US has three experts who are on that group, and I'm one of the US experts to this group. That is really amazing. I mean, that's a, a testament to your expertise and your knowledge to be one of three people in the entire country. <laughs> you know, to represent on this, what could be a clearly a significant change in quality management standards. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I am in awe of the people I'm working with on this group. I'm learning so much from other people from around the world. Thinking about, of course, I have to represent US interests sure. in the group's deliberations. But the meetings, so far, we've just had the kickoff meeting and then some sub-team meetings. But I'm having the opportunity to share my technical expertise from an ORU perspective, from a U.S. perspective, and my familiarity with industry needs and organizational needs. It's extremely That's exciting. That's very cool, <laughs> which you wouldn't ordinarily hear probably in a quality management conversation. But it's really cool to be part of this international group of, you know, as you said, people from around the world who you're all sharing your expertise, learning from each other. Um, and again, you know, making a contribution to the future of 
quality management and quality assurance processes. That's incredible. And the other thing that I'm impressed with that I didn't already mention is the level of commitment among the people in this group. In the kickoff meeting, <clears throat> which was at 8 a.m. my time, there was somebody in Australia who was joining at midnight. Wow. And they're doing this because they're committed to making this happen. Right. And everybody was speaking English. Interesting. It was, there are representatives from Japan. And there was no question about whether we would speak English. I'm so impressed. I can't imagine trying to discuss this in another language. Right, right. Of course. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So what's the, I know you said the process has really just gotten underway. You've had a kickoff and some subgroup meetings. How long is the process um, to look at the 9004 standards? This ad hoc group has been assigned the task of looking at the feasibility of doing this. The group wouldn't necessarily be the one who would create the, the requirement standard. Gotcha, okay. So you're, you're basically you're looking at it. What you're supposed to do is within a year, come back and make recommendations as a group. Okay. At that point, if the recommendation were to make 9004 a requirement standard, it takes roughly three years to develop a requirement standard. Okay. And I don't know who would be chosen to be on that group. Sure. And so this is really the very, very beginning of- Very, very beginning. Of process, but still an important process, you know, an important step in what could be a, a huge change. Yes. Very exciting. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure. And you're, I, I look forward to hearing more about what's happening with the ad hoc group. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanna make sure we add before we close things out? I can't think of anything at the moment. All right. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Further Together. Um, and like I said, I look forward to having you back and maybe, you know, whatever the, whatever the decision is on the feasibility, maybe we can talk about that when, when it's over. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the OREU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU, and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.